Destroy All Children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy All Children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. You're you're full of nos. No, just Dr Pepper today. You know, it's uh, mm. it's only dependency if you do it every single day. That's why you gotta take like two days off. In the middle of the week, right? Yeah, you you no, just same. don't take it for a few days, and then you start shaking, and that's how you know that's really working. Other people's other people's problem is that they develop a problem. Yeah. But me, I'm smart about this. I got it all planned out. All right. Okay. Whatever you say. Anyway, you are my uh, teacher. My... My problem is that I thought I was going to beat all the Donkey Kong countries this week. And the new game showed up. Larry, I've been playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Congratulations. It arrived a week early, which is also already a week late. <laughs> so I told you it probably wasn't nice. going to take that long. Well, it was so weird because it shipped like three days ago from Florida. Yeah. So as far away from me as it could possibly be, and then like I checked the status update on it the day before yesterday, and it arrived at a UPS center in unknown. Oh. And then after that, it just was basically question marks. Like it did not update at all. Wouldn't tell me where the package was, it went and then just showed dimension. up in my mailbox. That's right. It, it just flipped around like Mario in the Mario movie, <laughs> screaming on its way to its final destination. No, Final Destination is uh, a different movie. <laughs> well, it showed up, and also uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon showed up early. Woo! So I have that now, too. Uh, I also got my PlayStation 3 controller to replace one with the gunked-up uh, analogs. Great news, by the way. That controller will work on PlayStation 1 games. PlayStation 3 games will not sync with PlayStation 2. Huh. I don't know why. It's so, I don't know what the PlayStation 2 emulation is doing that it handles that differently, because I would still think that it would go through the PS3, Wait. like, back in for controllers and memory card stuff, because it's the same menu. Why are you, okay, you're using it on an emulator then? No, no, I'm using it on the actual PlayStation 3, I'm, oh. I'm saying the PlayStation 3 emulation for like playstation 2 and playstation 1 games i don't know what's different about oh, it, them that it should work with that then one, not the other. because i always just i never plugged in a playstation well you couldn't plug in a playstation 2 controller how else would you play well, it, it it's a playstation 3 like third party knockoff thing. oh so the thing is i don't know what kind of weird like yeah. factory this was manufactured in where it could work with PlayStation 3, PlayStation 1, but not PlayStation 2. Because uh, I wanted to check mm. my save in Nocturne. I wanted to see how I did in that versus the HD remaster. Yeah. And uh, I did manage to just, like, I got it working with the normal PlayStation 3 controller, which, again, it works fine. It's just, it's gunked up and gross. 
Yeah. Uh, I have no idea how I beat that game. I don't either. Like looking at looking at that save from the one that I have. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. Video games, you're probably actually farther in Ratchet and Clank than I got. Then I Maybe don't I played Yeah. I I was gonna say I don't know how much you played, and then you said I played and then stopped. So <laughs> I played the first level with Ribbit. So that's okay. that's as far as I've that's gotten. That's basically as far as I got to. Yeah. Hey, they made it a Ratchet and Clank game. Yeah. It's good. It's just one of those. It's fine. What do you feel about the Morts? Hate them. <laughs> you don't oh, like the Morts? They look so no, they look so gross. They're all named Mort. Yeah, they're Mort. I don't like the Morts. Reminds me of Station. I, I want to get off Mort Planet. No, how dare you, first of all Station is endearing Station yeah. is timeless mm-hmm. Mort's just, like Mort. just Mort uh-huh. Mort reminds me of Rick and Morty So first of all, strike one I think you're just being anti-Semitic <laughs> being, there's, They're not Jewish coded in the game What are you talking about? They're called Mort, what are you talking about? They're engineers They're They're like, yeah. they're fixing cars and shit all That's right. their whole thing. That's their one personality trait is just, ah, I don't know, I fixed your ship. Now you can go to other planets yeah. so I can get away from them and never have to look at another Mort ever again. They'll probably show back. Yeah, I feel like there are probably other Morts. I think it's oh, really no. weird how, like, you switch to Rivet and she just has the exact same equipment and weapons as Ratchet. There's yes, like zero I like that. difference. I like that when you go to the store, she's like, wait a minute, this isn't the amount of money I had in my account. Yeah. And the, uh, oh God, why am I blanking on the name of Mrs. the weapon Mrs. Mrs. Zircon, thank you. Yeah, she's just like, ah, I just, I merged your account with our other mutual benefactor. Mm-hmm. The bit so, with her, like, I, wanting to be a spy is pretty funny. Also, yes, it is. Richard Horvitz as Zircon Jr. is very good. Mm-hmm. I love Stop Zim drinking screaming pepper. at me. Never. <laughs> I need more pepper Chug it down before you start talking Um, But yes uh, Like I think Richard Horvitz has been in every Ratchet and Clank game At this point I wouldn't know Or at least least the majority of them Um, Well he was in the remake um, And he was in I think all the Playstation 3 ones He's a different character every time though Um, Oh okay But yeah like since uh, having my brain infected with Star Trek, now when Doctor Nefarious talks, I just hear Quark, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it makes me miss the bygone times when I did not recognize Doctor Nefarious from anything. I mean, if Quark could like jump to another dimension where he has even more money and just yeah. kind of like take over this other life that he's leading, yeah. He absolutely would do it. He would, he would leave another Quark destitute, if only to raise his own fortune. Correct. If he could be like, if he went through a dimensional rift and ended up at a place where he's Grand Nagus, then yeah. Well, um, it's actually more than I, Grand I, Nagus, kind of. I feel at one point in time he might have done that, but then after that one time where he did become Grand Nagus and everyone tried to murder him, he would True. maybe shy away from the the position. Yeah, I think he wants the status, just not the role. 
also the latinum well definitely the latinum i mean that goes without saying and anyone who listens to this podcast knows exactly what latinum is yeah gold pressed latinum yeah there's a so we don't need to elaborate on that (laughs) no i got the uh deep space nine book and i flipped around in it uh there are some spoilers in the book so i didn't like after i saw a little bit of that i have not looked at further but i think that's like all at the beginning because there is two pages of that book a two-page spread just dedicated to mourn (laughs) oh good it's very i now can't wait for mine to show up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just two pages of like This is Morn and it talks about his Various escapades that you never See uh, <laughs> on the station And like this is the kind Of material his vest is from, made From he likes it pa- extra Padded for comfort and all This stuff It's very good oh god I yeah I ordered these same Books they're the uh, technical manuals For each of the shows uh, Kind of which yeah, like, so when I first looked at those, they were a lot of like, oh, here's a cross-section of a ship. And, like, yeah. I like that stuff a whole lot. I remember having a lot of those kind of books as a kid. There's plenty of that in there. Yeah, but then you started, like, showing pictures to me from this book, and it's just, like, pictures of Jazia Dax just sitting alone in a room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's because that's the crew quarters for the runabout. <laughs> sure, so. that's the photo that they went with though, which is really good. Well, it also shows one of Cisco. It's like Cisco had similar quarters in the captain's cabin, except he also had a ready room attached to it. Oh, and it's wow. just like Cisco there smiling <laughs> in the ready room. <laughs> I'm good that the book not only has a picture of Cisco smiling on the front of it, but apparently more pictures of Cisco smiling throughout. Yeah, you gotta. Meanwhile, Picard just is not smiling at all on the cover of the TNG book, which oh, I also not. bought. TNG is very serious. Um, it's a it's a dark, it, grim show where no humor true. can be found. I mean, so far, basically, yes. Except um, for lore. Oh god, lore is so good. Just Brent Spiner being able to play an evil sociopathic version of Data. And just chews up the scenery and every single shot he's in. God, that's what an episode. It's amazing that that is in the first season. And then, like, every episode that comes after it has just left me going, This is the show that has lore in it? What the fuck? <laughs> every other episode is just crew members jumping around on jungle gyms and, like, <laughs> swinging American gladiators' clubs at aliens. Oh god, yeah, one of the most racist episodes of TV I've ever watched in my entire life, that one. Wow. Um it's pretty bad. Uh, th- that you was watched the definitely Sopranos. Yeah, no, I, well, you can't be racist <laughs> against Italians. Well, no, they're racist against everyone else. Okay, that's a fair assessment of the Sopranos, I guess. Yeah. Um No, I'm still making my way through TNG since we're now into Star Trek talk. Uh, well, nothing has been happening in Larry and I's lives this past week, by the way, other than a bunch of shit showed up and we haven't spent much time with it, apparently. Well, well, um, just to say about Ratchet and Clank, it's Ratchet and Clank. It's good. I like it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm hoping more, speaking of quirks, that Captain Quirk shows up more in this game. Um, oh, yeah. That opening's really cool. We're jumping around on the floats and whatnot. It is, yeah. Uh, the so 
the premise of the game is is that uh, the the Dimensionator gun has gone all wacky because Doctor Nefarious tried to take it, uh, and he escapes to a universe where he always wins. Uh, there is basically an equivalent for each member of like the main cast to Ratchet and Clank that exists in this alternate reality, and you're kind of dumped out there trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, but they use this mechanically to let you kind of like bridge the gap between distances by like grappling onto a uh, dimensional portal, and so you just you fly through it, and the game does like some really neat stuff with like loading into completely different locations and making use of the solid state drive on the PlayStation 5. Somewhat. So the loading... I, I'm still... I'm kind of disappointed that there's still a visible hitch every time that happens. Like in that opening yeah. segment where you're kind of falling through the rifts. That was visible in the demo, and I thought, well, maybe it'll be cleaned up in the final game, but no, it's still there. But No, I still, mean, it's, they did it's, clean up. It's a pretty cool segment overall. It's just you can see that oh, little, yeah. little bit when you go through it where it sort of jumps yeah. a little bit when you're in that like dimensional like pocket space going between two different locations it's very much like this is just a loading screen yeah it's a two second loading screen to be fair so it's very quick uh and it's still really impressive what the game is doing that it is snapping between these locations that fast mm-hmm um, and like going just from the playstation sort of dashboard into the game is extremely fast Oh yeah. yeah, you get into it real quick Yeah, uh, I tried it in all the different fidelity modes mm-hmm. Just to kind of see, you know, what it looked like uh, I've settled on performance ray tracing it Seems to be the best one Because you're 60 frames It looks as good as it's going to get at 60 frames uh, I started on that, played a little bit Switched over to just the like Ooh, this is the real pretty 30 frames a second mode mm-hmm. Can't fucking do it yeah. Can't go down once you've Tasted 60 frames a second You can't go back I'm just using the regular performance mode Because that still has As far as I can tell 4k resolution Or at least something really close to it Um, And 60 fps um, And I don't give a crap about the ray tracing So I just I want Clank to look real shiny though I like a real good shiny Clank Yeah shiny Clank does look good But that's kind of about I bet also the uh, the effect when you get golden bolts looks better. It looks a little wacky it, it without look, it. It looks it looks really good. Yeah, with ray tracing. Uh, the 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 first level with rivet is kind of this like swampland yep. location, and there's a lot of good ray tracing Speed stuff slugs. with that too. Of like, uh, oh yeah, uh, there's a lot of good ray tracing stuff with puddles in the grass and 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 things like that. So yeah, I might switch over to it or try it out some more, but. It's perfectly fine. Like I, I really don't feel like the difference in resolution between those two is so significant that it was like noticeable to me. Okay. But having the ray tracing on versus off definitely was. So. Mm. I feel like to me shot, it's usually the opposite. I usually do not notice ray tracing at all, and I notice <sighs> the resolution a lot. If our two brains could merge, we'd become like a new addition to Digital Foundry, just picking out all this crap. (laughs) But alone, we're just a couple of incompetents. But but yeah, I'm I'm liking it so far. Um, I really like the character design rivet, like the cool robot arm and everything. Uh, I don't care much for Ratchet's character design and never have. Okay. That's like been the main reason I've never played the Ratchet and Clank games. Is I look at Ratchet and I go, eh. <laughs> it's 
okay. That's a weird thing, but all right. I like this. I like this Clank fellow, but I don't know about this Ratchet. So now that they paired Clank with a character design that I'm into, uh, I, I think I'm finally. I'm not into it that way. All right, it's not a problem yet. Mm. We'll give it to the end of the game, and then we'll check back in on whether or not it's a problem. But as of right now, it's not a problem yet. Only a problem if you make it a problem. Look, I'm 33 years old. If it was going to happen, it would have happened by now, Larry. You know how many times I saw Bugs Bunny in a dress, and I ain't not a furry yet, so I think I'm fine. That's what normally does it to people, right? The Bugs Bunny in a dress thing? Sure. Surely it couldn't have been things like Sonic. That would just be, like, really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. How about that uh, Sally Acorn, huh? Put some damn pants on that squirrel is what I have to She's say got about that. Boots on. And that's it. <laughs> oh well that's good enough. Yeah. It's that's even worse than having nothing. It's like Donald Duck uh, with the shirt only. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow Donald Duck is just way more perverse to me, the fact that it's just a shirt, but it's also a sailor shirt. Yeah, that's yes, that's correct. Anyway, uh, d next generation, because I don't have anything else to say about Ratchet and Clank either. But I wanted to talk uh, about TNT well, for I a moment. I have an announcement. <laughs> okay, I have reached level seventy in the World of Warcraft. The nightmare is over. I've done it. Oh, so now I can play other games. See, I am supportive of these weird things that you do with like I'm going to get up to level seventy in an MMO. But if I drink too many nosses, you make fun of me. Yeah. It's despicable. Congratulations, by I'm the way, for reaching it. level 70 in WoW. I mean, yeah, I reached the maximum level. That's the objective of the game. Yeah. The objective of, of life is not to drink as many nos as you can. <laughs> I prefer to think of it as power leveling because like, I'll die faster. It's like if I was playing WoW and instead I was like, I'm going to level fishing all the way to 375. <laughs> Then you should not compliment me on that Because that's just well, an absurd waste of time You're not Danny So I would never expect that you would commit your time in such a way no. As to max out your fishing rank Of course not Yeah I need to do a check-in on his uh, Warframe no, progress don't. And see whether or not I gotta buy him that sheet cake He <laughs> fell off of it like a, a while back And I think he actually like Committed to staying off of it Huh is, is Warframe he, just not good anymore? Is that it? I think I... It's been a long time since he explained it all to me And none of it made any sense Because I don't play Warframe But yeah, he said that the game basically became not good When I tried playing Warframe None of it made sense to me So that checks no, out I mean, I've made the attempt Probably like four or five different times mm. And it's never clicked with me So yep. uh which is weird because, like, you think the way that I commit to shit, right? Like watching all of Star Trek: The Next Generation. How do you like that for a segue? Uh, I'm almost done with the first season now, and uh, I just want to talk about it for a moment because the last episode I watched actively infuriated me. Like most of the lowest points of the season so far has just been kind of like, ah, this show's boring. 
it's going through a boring slump. There's nothing to even talk about with it. It's just not interesting at all. And then this last one instead just was some of the most clumsy, scattered storytelling I have ever seen in a TV show. And it just pissed me off so much. And the fact that the B-plot in it was Wesley-centric didn't help. Because at all times, I want to just strangle the life out of Wesley. Anytime he's on the screen, I just want to wrap my fingers around his neck. Mm -hmm. And, like, I get it. That's, like, a, a popular thing that people like to fall back on. Oh, ha, ha, Wesley sucks. But, like, goddamn, watch the first season. Wesley really sucks. Yeah, it's not, like, just a meme because, like, there's a good reason no. for it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, you know, just Will Wheaton in general, piece of yeah. shit. Uh, but yeah, so this episode, um, I didn't even commit the name of it to memory, evidently, because <laughs> I'm trying to remember it and I'm just like drawing a blank. Good times. Uh, a admiral from Starfleet shows up and he needs to talk to Captain Picard in private. Riker is not even allowed to be a part of this conversation, uh, which is kind of against regulations you know your number one should be a part of any kind of mission briefing that you as a, as a captain gets uh, but the admiral explains that uh something is wrong on the enterprise and he needs his investigator to look into all the ship logs and to interview every member of the crew to figure out what's wrong hey, uh, uh, but he refuses Riker... to explain R Riker's number one wouldn't he be number two Num Number three, Asian Big Boob Queen. Oh, this isn't. I wasn't doing a bit. I was wondering, like, oh. <laughs> he should be number two behind Picard, right? No, he's he's number one. He's he's the um. How do ships work? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. You're the one watching <laughs> I it. I don't understand. Deep Space Nine is uh, a space station. That's not a ship. No, he's he's always referred to as number one. Okay. That's what Picard calls him all the time. He's number one. Data is number two, basically. Data has like a. You go to. You start knocking these fuckers off the list. Captain Picard, he goes, boom, Riker's captain. Riker's gone, boom, Data's captain. Uh, and I know this because it happened recently because Riker uh, got trapped in a really horny holodeck simulation with Picard. And no one could find them because the holodeck was closed off, so Data had to take over for a while. Because Data is Commander? Yes, right. Commander Data. Okay. Yeah. Worf's uh, just like Lieutenant, I think. Yeah, Worf just sucks. He's just kind of there. He's yeah. He's the Vegeta of this show. Anytime you need to like stress how powerful a new enemy is, they just beat up Worf. Because yeah. like your brain goes, oh, he's a Klingon. He got beat up, so this guy, got, this guy's got to be strong. Uh, and then of course you got Tasha Yar. She's head of security. Uh, is O'Brien there yet? She is still bringing up. Uh, yeah, O'Brien shows up in like the first episode. Okay, I didn't uh, but know. He, he's he just kind of like a second. He's just kind of like a background character. He he has like I think maybe two lines of dialogue and that's it. And then that's I don't insane. think I've really seen him. How could you get Cole Meany on there and look at his bizarre tiny face and not think that's a guy we need to focus on? He wasn't known at the time. People didn't understand that audiences wanted tiny had, faces on they big heads. Should have had a, an eye for talent and faces. Yeah, well, and been like this guy's great. 
we need to clearly, do as many terrible things as possible to him. Clearly they didn't because they hired Will Wheaton and gave him all of the speaking lines. Yeah. Every I, single one of them. I want this twink destroyed. Yeah. So uh, the Admiral shows up. He explains, hey, there's something wrong with the Enterprise. Uh, my investigator needs unfettered access to everything. And no, I will not tell you what it is that I am looking for. Uh, so this entire episode is just this investigator being a real shit eater and getting in everybody's way and no one, including the audience, having any idea what any of this shit is about. And this is intercut with Wesley taking the exams to go to Starfleet. Except, like, you know he's going to fail because he helps out one of the other cadets and, like, only one of them can get into the academy and, like, at that point, and it happens fairly early, you know that, like, oh, well, Wesley just gave the other guy the bump, and so now Wesley's not going to make it. So why are we wasting time with this character for the rest of the episode? No, who uh, didn't fail? You have to anymore. Nog. No, Nog got it in one go. Yeah. Is he's Nog better, is than, better Wesley. than Wesley. Yeah. That's why Nog eventually becomes a captain, for Christ's sake. Yeah. You know who also took more than one attempt to get into the academy? Uh, the person honking their car outside of my window, <laughs> uh, but also, but also Captain Picard, as he reveals at the end of this episode. It was not audible, at least, just my groaning. So okay, uh, Picard took two attempts to get into Starfleet. So you know who else Picard is lesser than Nog? Yeah, Nog course. is better than all these fuckers. Nog is the is the best. So anyway, like the, this episode just Actually, kind of did, like didn't Nog fail once? I'm not sure. I thought he passed on his first go. I don't know. I thought that's I, his I thing. That is he kind of whole... leaves and then he just shows up later and he's just like, "I did it." Well, there was the thing with him like trying to get in and getting mad at Jake. I don't remember. And part of it, no, like, him like, getting that, mad at that Jake was, was when he... he was already in the academy because he was, yeah. Like, oh, we we at the academy like to keep everything nice and order, and Jake's just like, <laughs> and just like throws stuff around in the room. It's like I don't get <laughs> why he's so mad about me being a total jerk. Nog is admonishing him about the way he lives while Jake is squatting over and shitting into a Dixie cup. <laughs> we do oh, yeah. things a little differently in the academy, Jake. We use the toilet. Um, <laughs> fit that in Dixie cup Maybe No he's a, shitting like, into a Dixie cup Yeah I know That's tiny um, Yeah well you know sometimes You get really dehydrated and it comes out like <laughs> maybe, little... I was going to say maybe it's like the replicator food Like they just don't have to Expel much after it because it's like <laughs> It's not real it Just comes out as like a perfectly compressed cube <laughs> like, I don't yes. know Replicator food does that to you It's really harsh on the cold one I was gonna say that Yeah that'd be very uncomfortable Oh god Um What the fuck was I talking about Oh right this Interminable TMG episode TNG not TMG TMG. Uh, TMJ That's what it gives you After you watch it for too long No it's the the problem is like you you already know where the stuff is going to go with Wesley, so none of it feels like it has any real point or purpose. It's just kind of there. And again, it's a Wesley subplot, so you just get pissed off all the time because Wesley's on the screen. And then with the investigation subplot, you don't know what the stakes are at all. And it goes for like two thirds the length of the episode, and it's just ah, the crew keeps getting mildly annoyed because this guy is over their shoulder the entire time. 
So finally, Picard has had enough. And he goes into the Admiral's quarters and he's like, you need to tell me what's going on. The Admiral calls his investigator and he's just like, okay, what have you got? And he's just like, nothing. Everyone on the crew is squeaky clean. They're like a family here. It's all about family, Larry. Oh, and yeah. then he decides that later on he wants to apply to join uh, the crew of the Enterprise. And then he fucks off. And so the Admiral is like, okay, well, someone or something has infiltrated Starfleet. And so I had to be sure that you weren't a part of this, Picard, uh, because I want you to go head up the, like, uh, academy training. Like, I want to promote you to be Admiral. Uh, you would have to give up your captainship, though. Uh, so the choice is yours. Let me know by the end of the night. So, first of all, there is not someone or something in Starfleet because he also then just admits, ah, maybe I'm being paranoid about it. So this was a complete fucking waste of time. And also, like, it sure sounds like the shapeshifter thing, but, like, yeah, it's way founders. too early in the series for that. Yeah, it's not the founders. It's just, like, maybe if this episode took place five or six seasons in, whatever the hell it was when DS9 started up, like, this might actually, like, kind of tied into the greater Star Trek lore in a more significant way. Would have mm -hmm. made more sense, would have had more of an impact. Uh, maybe you watching it with him being very secretive about it would already kind of start to know what's going on. Uh, or they could provide more hints for the audience uh, to connect it to DS9. But of course, none of that's there because this is the first season. And also, like, the last quarter of this episode is, oh, will Picard go and become an admiral or won't he? Well, of course he's not going to fucking do it. There's like eight episodes left in the season. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> it's not even a finale. No. Quit wasting my time with this shit. Like, I don't know who wrote this episode, if they suffered a brain injury or something, but it is, like, complete nonsense. Like, none of the plot points kind of connect together in a way that makes any sense. Like, ah, I'm investigating, the Starfleet's been infiltrated. No, it's not. Hey, you want to become an admiral? Ah, uh, no, you don't. There's, you still got half a season left. Oh, is Wesley going to join the Academy? No, because he gave a bunch of his points away. Great. Oh. We've ended up at the end of this episode exactly where we started. Nothing's changed. Yes, that's that's how it Fucking works. Show. <laughs> Episodic television. I realized uh. what I was thinking of with Nog. It was um that he needed the recommendation from Cisco. Is what I was thinking of. I yeah. thought it was maybe yeah, something yeah. about how he. Well, I guess he couldn't get into the academy without that. But I think then once he actually got that, he got it in the first try. So. Yeah, yeah, get uh, recommended because I Wesley, yeah. I think he had to get Picard's. Uh, there, there's some business at the start of this about like he already uh, had scores that allowed him to get this far, and he beat out somebody else on the Enterprise. Uh, but yeah, it's just like I get yeah, episodic television. You end up where you start, but like there's actually been like some amount of growth in the characters over this first season, even, and okay. just feels like at the end of this episode, you you don't. You you get nothing for it. You've wasted an hour of your time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the alien in the episode before this was just a light bulb. So <laughs> I've been having a real good time with TNG. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the next episode is all about Klingons, too. So, you know, everything's just going great over here. 
with his oh, TNG blood. Boy, the Klingons yeah. only became like tolerable in DS9 thanks to General Martok. Without him, I do. Oh no, well, and Gowron. I I have watched some of that episode. I'm not done with it yet. I do like that when a Klingon dies, any surrounding Klingons look up into the air and scream as loud as possible. Yeah. And as Data explains, it is to warn the dead that Klingons are coming. Mm-hmm. I figured Ghosts it would be... better fucking correct themselves. I figured it would be to usher them into Stovacor. No, uh, it's to warn do, the dead. I do like that bit when uh, Ezri Dax uh, heads back to the Star Fox 64 lava planet uh, to try to find <laughs> Worf, who's gone missing. And Quirk is like, yeah, he wouldn't die yet because he owes me money and he can't go to Stovacor knowing I have something on him. Oh, man. It really DS9. looks like the Star Fox 64 lava planet. DS9 yeah, is it's such just a better the show. exact same footage, too. They just used again, just put a different like footage of the runabout over it. Sure. Uh, there's a space station in that episode with, the, uh, with Riker and Picard getting locked in the holodeck. Uh, that is apparently just reused from one of the movies. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember they mentioned yeah. that in the Red Letter Media. There's video. there's been like a surprising amount of effects in this show so far that are like really really good for the time. Yeah, uh, which is why I'm pretty sure by the time they did the light bulb alien episode, they had completely run out of money. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that was not, you know, episode order versus filming date. You know, I might see some good stuff later on in the season, but boy, I mean, they really hit a wall by that point. Yeah, like some of the effects, like the uh, the ship sort of, when it has that sort of warp effect over the ship, I think actually look pretty cool, especially for the time. Um, yeah. And I, I thought the same thing of DS9. Like it's The CGI in it is rudimentary by today's standards, but for 93 or whenever that show started, not bad. Yeah. There's a lot of like uh, computer screen stuff like, oh, here's a bunch of orbs and you got to fill the orbs in with different colors. That's like one of the Academy tests and like the orbs are aligned in this cube shape that's just spinning around orb cube. with all these other. Yeah. And all these other orbs are around and darting in and out. It's like for when this show came out and on TV, like that's actually kind of impressive. Yeah. Uh, Everyone loves an orb cube. Yeah. Nintendo orb cube. Cube whale is in fact just filled with a lot of orbs. Not a lot of people know that. That's not true. <laughs> I had to test you to make sure you were a true cube whale freak I mean, like it's, me. Even to entertain that notion is heretical. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to send the cube inquisition after you because of this. <laughs> uh, you got to be level ninety and fuse uh, Metatron and Samael to get the cube whale. In the Cathedral of Shadows It's Cube like a whale. real like late game Yeah God Nobody I uh, I did it Cube again at this point. No they don't uh, Beat the shit out of Nocturne though I broke the level cap Larry Like a real freak of nature How does that work? How do you break a level cap? So the level goes up to 99 You can continue to level up your stats Past that to level 255 Well guess what That's not a cap If you can go but past it it's not a cap But they trick you into thinking it is But it's not uh, 
I got to around 120. I've used about 80% of the compendium. So again, like I wanted to go back and check my old save for comparison's sake. 44% of the compendium filled in my original Nocturne save. You know, it was Pathetic. Back when you played games like a normal human. Pathetic. The now you play them squad... like a true demon. Yeah, that's right. The squad I was rolling with to go fight Lucifer was like a bunch of level 63 fucking nobodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus Dante. And like, again, I did not have Pierce on my character, which you need to break through Lucifer's defenses and actually deal real damage to him. I had like all magic attacks on that character, which on the Demi Fiend become fucking useless like halfway through the game. Now, now I'm imagining your party has Dante and Pierce from Community. <laughs> it's like fighting Lucifer. No. <laughs> No, we didn't have Pierce. Oh. You need to have Pierce from Community. Yeah, he says a lot of really horrendous, racist shit. <laughs> Lucifer's like, I can't be here for this, and they just leaves. That's how you beat him. Yeah. Then Polly Walnut says, Chevy Chase. Whatever happened to that guy? <laughs> Polly Walnut's leading the demon army <laughs> in the final battle against Yahweh. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh God. Um. Yeah, it's it was amazing to me that I even beat Lucifer without peers, but when I looked at like my actual party and like what my stat distribution was and like my move loadout, like holy shit. That was just sheer like maniacal perseverance on my part. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that I spent probably three hours just running around one of the top levels of Kagasushi grinding in the HD version is less insane than what I did in the original run of Nocturne. I am interested to see if you're going to end up doing the Millennium Tower stuff in Yakuza. Because that seems right up your alley. I mean, I... I do... Like, I'm still... I got that Nocturne high, and I really want to go into another RPG... Mm-hmm. But like I kind of want to just commit to playing Ratchet and Clank, but like I keep looking at that Yakuza case on the shelf. My, I, really, I think I should just I should just start it. I should just fucking start the game. My tip for Yakuza number one tip uh, okay. when you get the ability to change jobs and stuff, uh, level up host for everybody who can do it until you get a I think it's like ice bucket or something. It's an ice element attack. That once you unlock it there, you'll have it on other jobs, and that's basically the only ice attack, I think. Uh, at least for mm. quite a while, for most of the characters. So it's good for everybody to have that for enemies that are weak against it. And then you can just switch okay. to whatever other job you want, but getting host mm. to that point, it, it's not very high level attack anyway, but it's good to have. I Speaking of JRPGs, I ordered a legitimate brand new copy of Final Fantasy 9 from the Square store. Yeah. And boy, it is it is weird having like unwrapping a new legitimate PlayStation 1 game and just pop, like popping that right into the PlayStation 3 and being able to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is part of why I bought that controller I mentioned earlier on. Uh I just wanted to bring this up cuz man, I forgot how loud the PlayStation 3 was. <laughs> like oh, yeah. even playing a PS1 game, it sounds like there's a fan going off in my room. Yeah, the original PS3s, yeah, definitely Yeah I brought this up to Danny, he's like, well maybe you need to clean it out It might have dust in it No, fucker, that was just the original PlayStation 3 It just sounded like that Mm -hmm. It's horrible 
it's amazing to me how quiet these consoles are now because even considering like where they were last generation with just fan noise yeah yeah uh, that made me think too what's the first console that had a fan on it was it the playstation one mm, maybe some so I don't know. I try, I'm trying to figure out if it was right? like it just had like vent no. holes. Yeah, it just had vents. Because uh, like I think the the thing with the N64 the, is most of the heat would probably be generated around where the cartridge did was. Did the PlayStation have fans? That's what I'm trying to figure I out. Don't I think don't it remember did. if it had fans or not. I don't remember. I I'm pretty sure PlayStation Two did. I know I that the so. GameCube does. Yeah, and I'm sure the the original Xbox probably had a fan. So it was probably just that um, generation in general was the first, I would guess. Dreamcast. Yeah, well, I'd have to pick up my Dreamcast and take a look at it, but maybe I don't remember it having a fan though. I don't um, think so. I think it was just disc drive was super loud. I mean, there. Oh, it definitely was. There, there might be some weird thing like the Philips CDI had a fan or something like that. But I'm only talking about video game consoles that matter. Yeah. Like once that stuck around and actually had a presence, and yeah, I kind of think it might have been the PlayStation Two era where that became like normalized at the very least. Virtual Boy, uh, that half fan, and it just blew it directly into your eyeballs. <laughs> Try them out real good; it makes the 3D pop more. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the best way to enjoy Telero Boxer. <laughs> just popping the Virtual Boy off your eyes, or like. Bloodshot and mildly crusted over. It's just like yeah, it's a, a texture to them. It's a Ren and Stimpy close up, basically. <laughs> All this like yellow gunk connecting your <laughs> eyelashes together. Or it's uh, that bit in Invader Zim where Zim stares at the sun until his eyes scab over. Ah, <laughs> oh, goddamn! Nothing's going on in either of our lives, huh? No. Talking about video game console fans Yeah um, I'm a fan yeah. of fans Al Pacino, Devil's Advocate I thought you said you had something to mind For this episode that we could talk about I did originally um, But uh, what now was you've it? filled it up with Let's talk About a little movie Called okay. Midnight Run Oh we're finally doing this <laughs> Yes Originally meant uh, to be the subject of an episode a long time ago uh, Never happened And then Charles Grodin died So Well rest in peace Charles Grodin <laughs> Yes R.I.P uh, yeah. This is a film Released in 1988 uh, Directed by Martin Brest Of uh, uh, Beverly Hills Cop to think about it um, oh. Notably not the sequels to Beverly Hills Cop He did the one and was like That's it Not gonna improve on that And guess what he was right um, yeah. Well he improved on it with this But the sequels eh, eh. Um, I've never seen any of the Beverly Hills Cops What? That's right I haven't seen the first one. one I know that uh no, the Judge Reinhold, he puts uh, bananas in tailpipes. That's no, all I know about it. No, that and the that and the song. I thought no, he did. Axel Foley puts Axel Foley puts the banana in the tailpipe. Oh, uh, okay. See, my knowledge of this is coming off of the Clerks episode where Randall does go with Axel or not Axel Foley. Rand Randall 
Axel Judge Reinhold. Randall Fink. <laughs> I think I'm having a stroke. Yeah, um, Judge Reinhold. That's right. And he and Randall in a dream put bananas in tailpipes, which is what made me think that surely Judge Reinhold must have put bananas in tailpipes in Beverly Hills Cop, the movie that I have not seen. Wait, is is it is it maybe Axel like distracts guys while Judge Reinhold um he sneaks up. Remember and puts when we were going to talk about time? Midnight Run and not what we think happens in Beverly Hills Cop? <laughs> I think it's Axel who puts the banana in the tailpipe. Who cares? That's a movie <laughs> for another time. I'll get yeah, that, to it eventually. That movie, that movie I'm sure. Features Jonathan Banks of Breaking Bad as the bad guy. One of them. Oh. Anyway. He's like a hitman. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Anyway, I'm uh, more interested. Yeah, Midnight Run features music by Dan- by Danny Elfman of uh, one of our favorite bands, Oingo Boingo. <laughs> Notable uh, because the end theme for this movie he just completely reused uh, as one of my favorite Oingo Boingo songs. Try to believe from the, in my opinion, heavily underrated album, like uh, Dark at the End of the Tunnel. And to think about what mm. it was called too. That was anyway. like their last no. true album, right? Oh, yes, yes. Last like real yeah. one before it all went bad. Yeah, well Everything they did farewell, but that was that was just like a live show yeah, yeah, of yeah. like but you know, greatest. That, hits that was after Boingo. Like Boingo was yeah. the last one. That one was bad. Yeah, yeah. I always get confused about that because then there's the other album which is Boy. Yeah, that N- one's go. good. Yeah, that Boy one's great. Oingo but... is good. Yeah, it makes it difficult when talking about Oingo Boingo albums that two of them that were released like back to back have very similar names. No, they weren't. Um, Boingo. Well, I mean, was like, like the... fairly early. No, I thought that was like the last one that they did before they did the shift over to like, mm. oh, well, we're not doing the new wave thing anymore. We're doing more like alt rock stuff. Uh, no, I think. Dark at the end of the, end of the tunnel was, I'm all right. Here we go. Hold on a second. Ah, oh, Jesus. Oingo Boingo. Let's go. On this episode discography. of the podcast, we do anything but talk about Midnight Run. Uh, okay, Boingo is later, but it was before Dark at the End of the Tunnel, which was then before Boingo. Boingo was four years after Dark. Uh. So you know they took a hiatus and then came back yeah. with that crap. Um, well, Danny had some uh, films to score in yeah. that time. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. But um, uh, well, yes. For example, Batman. For one oh, thing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Only a lad. Nothing to fear. Good for your soul. Solo. Uh, that shouldn't be here. That's not knowing a Boingo album. That's oh. right in the name. Um, Dead Man's Party. Boy and Go. Dark at the end of the tunnel. Boingo. So yeah. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Midnight now where Run. does Oingo Boingo Alive fit into all of this? Mm, I'm going. Well, that would have to be after Boingo because it has songs from it on it. I'm going to guess that was between it and Dark at the End of the Tunnel, probably eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Well, gosh, uh, this is all very interesting. Yeah, it is. Midnight I mean, Rum. Yes. Great movie. <laughs> so. 
should I should I do the thing where I admit the very my dumb preconceived notion about what Midnight Run is or I was? Mean, you're already doing it, so you might as well. Oh, perfect. Okay. Also, please so... don't talk to me like, oh, nobody cares about the discography of Wenga Boinga when you're the one who <laughs> always instigates everyone's least favorite segment, which is how much do these games cost on eBay? Well, I want to know how much the games cost on eBay. What did how you much were the of... Ratchet and Clanks <laughs> for the PlayStation 3 <laughs> on you... eBay? Let's find out what, right now. <laughs> what did you think about Midnight Run? Uh, so I had... I'd heard of this movie, but never quite knew what it was about. Uh, the name got thrown around a lot, so I guess like over time it built up this sort of prestige to it, where I thought that like Midnight Run was the sort of movie you'd find in like the Criterion Collection, where like, mm-hmm. oh, this is really like self-serious, introspective, very thoughtful movie. <laughs> and then I started watching it, and the Danny Elfman like NYPD Blue soundtrack kicked in. I was like, wait a minute. This yeah. doesn't seem like the appropriate soundtrack for one of the all-time greats, classics of film, Midnight Run. I mean... A super self-serious movie, as we all know. I would say it actually uh, is and then, a really great movie, and one of the best it is like, really in great. genre. It's just, like, not serious, yeah. no. It's, all, like, it's very... Wait a second, it's is silly. this a buddy cop movie? Like, yeah. Yeah. I got about ten <laughs> minutes in, and I, I just kind of had that moment where I was like, oh, is Midnight Run a comedy, actually? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not really a buddy cop movie. It's, it's like forty-eight hours essentially, but yeah, this one's not a. But it's cop. really good. The Duke. It, it's it's really good, even if it is not the sort of movie that I thought I was going to sit down and watch. <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed it a whole lot. Robert De Niro is fantastic in it. Like his chemistry with Groden is terrific. Yeah, um, Groden. Uh, I feel like. Basically since he died He's been getting a lot more recognition For how good he is at like that sort of deadpan character um, Oh yeah But yeah. yeah he's especially great in this uh, Loved him in Beethoven <laughs> Loved him in Clifford <laughs> Great Muppet caper <laughs> You ever read that article he wrote uh, About no. Miss Piggy No but I need to after this it's... James wrote an article about Miss Piggy Charles. Sounds great on the premise alone Whatever <laughs> He's dead, he doesn't care It's a very strange article About how Miss Piggy seduced him On the set of Great Muppet Caper (laughs) It's not even like that long ago I think it's like from 10 years ago He decided, yeah, this is a good idea It's pretty funny Um, Imagining the alternate reality Where he was in Gremlins 2 And wrote an article about how the lady (laughs) Gremlin Tried to seduce him on the set I'm surprised Robert Picardo hasn't done that. <laughs> um, but uh, oh god, should I just? Robert Picardo always does these like conventions and everything. If I ever was in a position where I was going to go to a convention where Robert Picardo was there, I probably would just buy that Neko Gretchen Gremlin figure and just like <laughs> have him sign the box. Oh, I thought you were going to say you'd get like a really professional print of that. Uh... That frame from Voyager where he's like tiny and square. <laughs> and have him sign that. That would be that'd be pretty good too. I'm just thinking about like all these like dumbass things I should have celebrity sign if ever given the opportunity. Because mm-hmm. I wasted it when I had the ability to have my hacker's copy signed by Pendulet. <laughs> yeah. I'm still upset about it. I should have just done it. I was just worried that I was going to make an ass out of myself. But like, yeah, well, you when am I going to meet Pin? Yeah, but when, when am I going to meet Pin Gillette again? 
It's either you don't make an ass out of yourself and he never remembers your face, or you just forever get lodged into one little wrinkle in his mind as that weird ass who brought a copy of Hackers to a Vegas show. The thing is, though, there is a 0% chance that you would be the first person to do that. I am sure, like, a lot of people have done that. Yeah. Any idea I've had, at least a thousand other people have had it. I mean, it's like, you know, getting Fisher Stevens to sign uh, a picture of him in brown face from Short Circuit. <laughs> or as Iggy in Mario movie. Either way. It's like, a maybe picture both. of Iggy that I photoshopped to make it look like he had brown face in the Mario movie. And I'm like, hey, you remember this fucker? Oh, that would be good. Uh, anyway, Midnight Run, a uh, film starring Robert De Niro. Uh, as a bounty hunter who is hired to track down Charles Grodin, the Duke. Uh, yep. What's Mardukas was his name? Yep. Um, who's on the run? One steak and eggs, chorizo and eggs. That's all he wants, chorizo and eggs, right? Yeah. Um, who is on the run from Las Vegas mobster Dennis Farina? Don't remember his Serrano. I got it, Serrano. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Who wants to hunt him down because he embezzled cash because he was his accountant? Um, and so Officer Bookman from Seinfeld yes. is there as his lawyer, just constantly just being like, "Ah, this seems like a bad idea. You shouldn't incriminate yourself like this." And then he's just like, "Ah, go drink some fucking milk or whatever <laughs> it is you do. Yeah, have a sandwich. Yes. Um, and then... go home to your wife." I, uh, so so they're I, both trying to uh, get the Duke. Uh, yeah. Uh, De Niro wants to get him back to L.A. to collect the bounty on before midnight in like four days, I think it is. Uh, otherwise, it's null and void. And um, then you also have Yafik Kodo, who's with the feds, who also wants to get the Duke, but uh, De Niro doesn't want him to get it because then he won't get the bounty, so... Everybody's the, fighting the, over the, the Duke. The chemistry between all the characters in this movie is great too. Not just De Niro and Groden, but like uh, the what was the FBI character's name though? Yafet's character's name. Oh, yeah, whatever. Yafet Mosley. and De Niro also Mosley. have yeah, Mosley. That that's it. Because uh, like De Niro spends a good portion of this movie with like a pilfered uh, FBI uh, ID card from yes. Mosley. <laughs> Claiming to be him and using this to like gain access to areas he wouldn't be able to get in otherwise, uh, and that stuff's like uh, really good. It, they they have a kind of relationship between each other that is like uh, it's Lupin, Lupin and Zinigata. Yeah, yeah. Yafik is just stomping on his hat, shaking his fists, screaming into the air that he's going to get him. But he's also kind of like, ha, ah, that guy. Yeah, they they eventually team up. And in the end, like the only way that they can uh, accomplish anything is with each other. Yeah. Uh, and then about, um, I'd say probably a good thirty percent of this movie is just guys screaming at each other over phones, which I really enjoy. Yeah. You get Joey Pants in there. Speaking of the Sopranos, yeah. just taking a. I I love it in a movie when a character is angry on like an old like yes. rotary telephone, and they take the phone and they start. Smacking it against the phone or the table or something because they're so pissed off. Uh-huh. Can't do that anymore. Nope. You will shatter a smartphone. You will snap it in half. Strike one. Yeah, like uh, but old, old phones, phones are just bricks. Like, oh you yeah, smash them like all day and they'd still work. 
I love it when they do it right against the like uh, receiver too. So uh -huh. should actually hang the call up. Yeah, <laughs> but they they do it enough and they do it very violently that the call remains connected. Like, also, uh, if you want a really good double feature for just Dennis Farina screaming into phones, just pair this with Get Shorty, and you'll have a really good time. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, also, a lot of uh, wiretapping going on because oh, yeah. this is also, you know, in the days of landlines where everything was being monitored. So you got to got to run across the street, use the payphone. <laughs> yes, there, there's a really good bit where uh, De Niro figures out that they've got the bounty office tapped, and so um, he calls there. He's like, "Yeah, uh, we're we're here uh, in Oregon right now. Oh, wait, no, actually, uh, we're in Arkansas. Oh, no, we're we're in Antarctica at the moment." And then, like, tells him to, like, look out the window and starts talking to the guys in the van. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, yeah. I Also, I do... one of the funniest things in any movie to me is the bit where he's on the phone with Joey Pants and he's just yelling that he's going to shoot the Duke in the face <laughs> and dump him in a swamp. <laughs> and he just takes a second to, like, look over at the Duke and make a little, no, I won't, face before he goes back to yelling <laughs> into the phone. It's pretty good. Like De Niro's so good at comedy, but he rarely did it. Yeah, which is kind of well, a shame. I mean, uh, we got like three Fockers movies. Oh, I, well, he's good in the That's first. That's really one. all you need. Yeah, and then they had to just keep on doing them. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I watched that second one in theaters because I thought, well, gosh, the first was so good. I Surely like the, the first second one... one was also a home run. Um. Yeah. Did you ever see the third? No. Of course. Well, that's about babies, so yeah, of course yeah. you didn't. Yeah, no. Uh, I never saw it. I was like, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. No, he, uh, he milks you, the cat. Did Larry. you see both analyze this and analyze that? No, I have not. I did. I thought it was very funny in uh, The Godfather Part 2. <laughs> when he sticks his gun in that guy's mouth and shoots him? Yeah, I like, uh, you know, he's walking along during the part and he steps on that rake and it beans him in the face. <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. He goes home later that night to his wife. He opens up the front door, immediately steps on another rake. It's great. It's callback comedy, Larry. Yeah. He has to explain the tattoo on his chest. It's like, no, it means the Fredo, the. <laughs> It's all connected because of Cape Fear, you see. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> another movie that I really need to watch. I've only ever seen the bit where he holds that flare in his hand and talks about Strychnine. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm always like, oh man, this movie looks great, and I've just it, never it gotten around to watching it. I feel like that's one of the Scorsese movies that everyone forgets Scorsese made, which is kind of I mean, a weird I, thing. I forgot that he made it until you brought it up just now. Yeah. That makes me want to watch it even more. Scorsese's great, except for when he shares opinions about movies. And then it retroactively ruins everything. What's what's his opinion about movies? You didn't now? you didn't see I'm sure you didn't see that tweet. Uh with some like well known Twitter lawyer going like, uh, Nolan and Scorsese are the same. They make great movies, but when they share opinions about movies, it makes me retroactively hate all their movies. Which okay. I assume to be that Scorsese is continuing to drag like MCU stuff and yeah, people... who cares? Yeah, uh, but anyway, uh, Scorsese movies. The uh, uh, Midnight Run, Scorsese uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, no, I, I was going to say that uh, I, I like that De Niro's character is driven by money in this. Uh, this is something that's come up on the podcast before, where I really like characters whose motivation is just, I gotta get paid. Yeah. Uh, but I hate that when those characters grow by the end of the movie, <laughs> they abandon all prospect of wealth in order to go like, oh, I learned a lesson. This is really about friendship or family or doing the right thing. In this movie, they sort of get there because he ultimately lets Groden go. But he's, it's uh, mostly he just because he hates the other guy that much. He hates the other guy, but I, I do think it is that they form a bond over the movie and that he also just can't bring himself to turn the Duke in. It's it's a bunch of different factors, but it does kind of culminate in his character growing, except then Groden takes his belt off and is like, here's a few hundred thousand dollars. So De Niro still gets paid, yeah. and that's what you call having your cake and eating it too, <laughs> film writers, you fucking wastes. Also, I would say uh, probably the big thing is when he meets his family. Like, oh sure, that's probably the main thing. Mistake number one: if you want to make money, don't ever meet your family. <laughs> yeah, where he's like, terrible eh, idea. You know, I I could just go get some cash and settle down with them again. What? Uh, she had like a new husband, I think, right? Yeah, she married like uh, one of the corrupt police officers, didn't she? I think so. Because there's that, like, it's a whole subplot of, like, oh, De Niro was a cop once, but he had to leave because, like, he was not going to accept, like, dirty money. No, they, uh, uh well, well, yes. I'm trying to remember what it was and all then, about. And um, then they planted drugs, like, in his house or something yeah. and gone for that, and that was Serrano that did it. They put a bunch of NOS in his fridge, and then they busted <laughs> him with all the NOS. Yeah. This is weapons-grade amphetamines. Mm-hmm. Go away a long time for this. Uh, yeah, I just like those sort of greed driven characters still getting paid by the end of the movie. You want to have them grow, whatever, but like, you know, throw them, throw them a few bucks. Yeah. It's like Wario. It's the popful, yeah, it's the popful male thing all over again. Back when I talked about that game, how that character ultimately does not grow, she just gets paid at the end of the game. It's perfect. I love it. I want more of that. She also calls someone the R word. So <laughs> it's everything you want out of a game. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I liked Midnight Run a whole lot. I, yeah. I watched this movie while eating a spicy chicken sandwich from McDonald's and drinking a black McDonald's coffee, which I think is the ultimate way to enjoy Midnight Run. I've seen this a few times, but always nice to view. It's a it's a good comfort movie, I suppose is a way to put it. Yeah, yeah, it it is. Uh, anyway, Criterion Collection should still release it. Yeah, they should. Why not? Yeah, put Lena Dunham's want... crap movies in it. Oh, they have. Yeah, Tiny Furniture's in the Criterion Collection. I think I just I think I just blocked that out of they my memory. They love weird stuff in there, especially now that they're like desperate and putting out stuff nobody wants. Still no Gremlins 2 no. in the Criterion Collection. Uh, wasted potential not putting the Mario movie in there because then we might actually get a fucking goddamn Blu-ray of it. Imagine yeah. a Criterion Collection like Mario movie where it's not just like the typical like clamshell case thing, but like they do the whole like, ooh, this has got like a nice slip cover and everything for the Mario movie. That'd be that'd be amazing. 
That'd be the best. They will never do it. I believe the no UK, one will ever do it. The UK version even had a steel book. <sighs> yeah. 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 Anyway, retro, retro corner. corner. Uh, Larry, define a summer game. Um, the Adventures of Cookie and Cream. Okay, yeah. Is a summer game does does a summer game have to do a particular thing, or is a summer game just a feeling that you get while playing a game? Where you're like, oh, this vibe. is a game of the summer. Yeah, it's a vibe. Yeah. Klonoa Two, I would say, is a summer game. Yeah, yeah, Klonoa Two is definitely a summer game. You know what is definitely a summer game? What? Wave Race 64 yes. is a summer game. That's just a good time on the beach with your jet ski. There's some dolphins here. Maybe you'll ride one later. I don't know. Well, I mean, if you're uh, on the beach, you're not having a good time. Because you're supposed to be in the water. But you're not going to win like if you're water. on the beach. I like the water as much as the as the beach. I like when I get the jet ski and I'm just driving around on the sand with it. <laughs> Running down the people there. Yeah, I have to scream for everyone to get out of my way. I don't got any control over the jet ski when it's on the sand. It just goes where it may mm-hmm. because it's a vehicle of the summer. <laughs> Cannot be controlled. It's just a vibe. You have to go with it. Yeah. Um, you try to warn everybody. You turn your summer sirens on, but... <laughs> If they don't get out of the way, that's their problem. Def, well, sorry. <laughs> well, you know they'll have a nice summer funeral on the beach. Yeah. They get everyone can show up and they can wear shorts and like, hey, do little uh, Hawaiian shirts mm-hmm. at the funeral. <laughs> this has nice definitely never umbrella. happened to me before. <laughs> the one funeral I attended. The dress policy was that everyone wore a Hawaiian shirt because my grandpa really liked Hawaiian shirts. It was the weirdest fucking event I have ever attended in my entire life. Everyone in brightly colored Hawaiian shirts watching a man get put into the ground. You don't happen to have any pictures from that, do you? I do. I'm never sharing them. I okay. I have, I, I have just... pictures of I have pictures of me from after because I was visiting family and they still wanted a picture of me and so it was just like let's take a nice family picture and I'm just standing here going like I just watched them bury grandpa. <laughs> I'm just, I well, don't want to be in a picture. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the prospect of taking one of those pictures and photoshopping it so Max Payne from Max Payne Three <laughs> is just there, <laughs> you know, paying his respects. Oh, you know, now that I've gone full Max Payne mode, if only my grandpa <laughs> held on for like another decade. Yeah. <sighs> it's a different grandfather than the one I, I always talk about. Uh, we, we weren't that close. So, you know. Well, yeah, you didn't even know how much he loved Hawaiian shirts. No, I knew how much he loved Hawaiian shirts. He oh. also had a framed picture of George W. Bush that was autographed by him on his wall. So, you know. That's cool. He had a pool table, though. Yeah. So whenever I visit, I just play pool and avoid talking to anybody. Uh, Wave Raid 64, though, is a very fun game. It has a perfect summer game. It's just something you can turn on while it's nice and sunny out and just enjoy some waves, uh, which is important when you live in a place like I do that is completely landlocked. And so you don't get to enjoy 
a good and proper beach summer. You need to have like your outlet. You need to have your window into that world. And Wave Race 64 is perfect for it. Uh, the soundtrack also in Wave Race 64 is terrific. Yep. Absolutely. I love One it. One of the best things about yeah. it to me. That and the voice clips of you almost had it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, but I don't know what else there is to really say about Rave Ray 64 is the thing. It's Rave pretty Race. much Thank you. Uh it's <laughs> You're welcome. I mean it's it's a racing game, but you're also having to fight against, you know, waves knocking you around and you have to weave in and out of these uh buoys. Uh if you don't, you end up losing like a hit point. Uh you have five of them. If you lose all of them, you completely botch a circuit. Uh, that feature kind of sucks. I wish that they just left it so when you miss a buoy, you end up losing speed, uh, which is also what it does, but I don't like that they have like a fail state associated with it too. No, I feel like um, you have to, because otherwise it would just be like, figure out which is the optimal one to skip, that you don't actually lose out that much, and you'd, you know. Yeah, I suppose, but then I also think, you know, also, that's learning just how, how to like race works, smart. Like slaloms. Um, the same as with like skiing. You gotta hit the marks mm. Otherwise what's the point I don't know I, I feel like playing smart Is learning which buoys you need to skip And which buoys you need to hit No no Other than other than always taking the same course In every level I, I like the idea of being able to kind of like Break off and find a optimal path uh, well, that's You know that's why I enjoy to... games like Diddy Kong Racing so much uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Diddy Kong Racing as, as you said during our golden eye stream um I, I think part of that is because you're out in the ocean like you don't have that many options for like course obstacles and things like that so yeah. having the buoys is a way to switch things but i up. think that that also makes it kind of a short-lived game for me like i can sit down and maybe play a circuit and then it's like all right i'm putting wave race 64 back on the shelf for like another year mm-hmm. like once you go through a course you know the course you can't deviate off of it that much there's not much room for experimentation in wave race 64 so i don't know it's easy to put down and move on to something else but it also means it's easy to pick up and just kind of play for a a, a little spurt which is exactly what you want from a summer game right when you're gonna have a summer you just want a little spurt yeah well want a little squirt Orange soda on the beach is uh, one of the orange, isn't it? Uh, grapefruit. Who knows what's in squirt? It could be anything. It could even be orange. Maybe there Uh, are different flavors. Maybe there is orange squirt. I don't know. Probably. I should just said Fanta, but I think that's more like a drink for perverts. Yeah, because those ladies in the commercial. Well, among other things. Okay. Fanta's had a rich storied history of just everything absolutely wrong with the world <laughs> being associated with Fago? it. No, I mean also Fago. Fago is not associated with perverts. Fago is just associated with freaks. The difference between <laughs> perverts and freaks is perverts are entirely sexual in nature. Freaks can be sexual, right. but their problems extend far beyond that. Right. Uh, Scott Steiner, his genetic freaks They love Fago To to their credit To, to the credit of the Juggalos A, a rich inherited people 
Fago has never been associated with the Nazi party, and also I don't believe anyone's ever come inside of a Fago and then drank it so they can regenerate their own semen. Which is the two things I associate with Fanta. Where'd the Nazi thing come from? The Nazi thing was that uh, due to embargoes during World War II times, uh, soda companies were trying to circumvent things to be able to sell drinks over in Nazi-occupied Europe. And so Fanta came into existence as a means of, I think, the Coca-Cola company avoiding embargoes. So it was like created with the intention of marketing a soda to Nazis. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. I'm I'm sure I'm glossing over a bunch of details because it's been a long time since I read about it, but I do remember it, it has some associations with companies trying to get around like embargoes during World War II. Oh. Uh, you know, I don't think it was ever to the point where you know you had like Henry Ford going like, "Oh yeah, Nazis love them, Jews not so crazy about them," but well, still not good. It. Sure. Mr. Fanta, you mean? Yeah, Mr. Fanta. <laughs> That's what they called him. Yeah. Uh, Larry, would you consider Michael Jackson's Moonwalker for the Sega Genesis a summer game? No. Well, then I've picked two completely discordant games to talk about on this podcast. I guess so. Because <laughs> I also want to talk about Moonwalker. Well, okay, here's the arcade version? No. All right, then no. The arcade version I would consider a summer game <laughs> because you can press the coin and sure. make them go woo. But the sure also uh, Genesis one no. It is very easy to envision a scenario too where you're going in, you're trying to escape the heat, and you're going into an arcade that has like some air conditioning and a whole lot of cigarette smoke inside of it, uh-huh. and you know that front door is open and some of the heat is kind of pumping in, but you're fine. You're in your shorts. You're in your Hawaiian shirt. You just got back from your grandfather's funeral. <laughs> And you just yeah. want to play some video games. And so you just slam a few quarters into the Moonwalker machine and listen to Michael Jackson go, woo! Yeah. And you're having a great time. It's a great summer. You are having a summer. Not yeah. what happened. Instead, I woke up one morning, got myself a gun, uh, and a NOS, <laughs> and I set those down on the table in front of me, and I played this emulated on a Sega Genesis. And I did okay. not have a good time with it. No. This game f- sucks. Yeah, it does. And that's the thing is also the arcade game is simple but also fun enough and you can have a few people playing it so you can have a summer that way just like gather everybody yeah. around the moon the moonwalker table and turn into robots and shoot Danny DeVito. Moonwalker table. Yeah. Is this a scenario where you make one of those like coffee yeah, tables a, out of yeah, an arcade co- game the but you chose cabinet. moonwalker? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not know. saying that's what I've, I would I've make. I've lost interest one of those... in this conversation entirely, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> the Moonwalker arcade game is great because everything that is wonderful about the Genesis game is just carried over into that anyway, so there's absolutely no reason to play the Genesis one. Like, you still Did... have the ability to make everyone dance themselves to death. You still turn into the robot. Bubbles Didn't the arcade one still come there. first? I do not remember. I'm going to look. Uh, I do... I do remember that Moonwalker was the segue for Michael Jackson to do the music in Sonic 3 because they already had him doing that and it was at that point he was visiting the offices and they were like, hey, why don't you do the soundtrack for this other game that we're working on? Uh, So something good still came out of that Genesis Moonwalker game uh, despite the fact that the game itself is kind of rotten. 
Um, I mean, I do like the Genesis renditions of the Michael Jackson tracks. Fucked up, though, the way that they actually order them. Like, Thriller is not used in the graveyard level. I think it's like Billy Jean. Yeah, yeah, it is. What the fuck is that about? Know. Oh, um, they came out concurrently. Basically. Oh, well, there you go. Um, the arcade one was July 24th. Uh, Genesis was August 24th. So just a month apart. But Michael Jackson divided. <laughs> yep, that's right. But it's also <laughs> weird because, like, they're entirely. Trying to remember the line, my dad an aneurysm. <laughs> Me and Michael Jackson divided against itself cannot stand. Thank you. Okay. Yes, that's um, what I was trying to go but for. But they're like entirely different games because the arcade one is like an isometric perspective, and you're just like launching yeah. like lightning bolts at enemies or whatever. And then the Genesis is side-scrolling, opening doors. Yeah, doors. the Genesis one Kicking is these like this tiny sort of little sparks, which yeah. are really hard to hit enemies with. It is. Uh, Jackson's like weird little kicks is how you damage enemies, or like you do a, a spin and you make them all dance, uh, including the dogs, which like that stuff is great. I do like that you can make non humans dance, yeah, in yeah, the they, game. they all have unique dance animations, which is very yeah. similar to the Ratchet and Clank Groovatron. Hell yeah, yeah. Oh, Ratchet and Clank is just a natural evolution of the <laughs> gameplay of Moonwalker, um, sure. Yeah, it, it, it's both of them are like quasi beat em ups, I guess. Like the the thing with the arcade version is, is it's more of like a cross between a beat em up and a shooter almost. Yeah, like the isometric view, I guess, is is mostly what? what I'm thinking of. Isometric, isometric. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Isolinear rod, uh, like that, is that view Trek is something thing? I associate. I think so. <laughs> I who can tell anymore the way that my fucking brain is. Um, I I associate that view, I guess, more with like on foot shooter arcade games, like your um your shock troopers, things yeah. like that. Yeah, that's a good game. Um, Second one, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm thinking about something here. I'll get. I'll loop back around to it. But yeah, the, the Moonwalker. The Moonwalker Genesis game just like it, it gets very samey very quickly because all the levels, even though you know, you're you're in like this bar in the first one, you're in a graveyard, you're in like city streets, like the environment changes, but it's still basically the same layout of just there's a bunch of doors, there's a bunch of kids, you need to find all the kids, and then you need to beat a boss at the end of the level. Uh, there's nothing to really differentiate them mechanically in any significant way until you get to the last one and then you have like a bunch of like warp doors and conveyor belts except even though you get something different everything about that level just sort of sucks yeah because you have like turrets shooting you constantly and you have a million guys in there so you just end up dying really quickly uh and then like the final boss is like a you're in a spaceship mm-hmm and you're shooting him first person. It is so weird how the game completely changes pace at the very, very end. It's like Battletoads. Yeah, I'm like Battletoads, I don't like it. Hey, did you know in 2004 the Genesis version of Moonwalker was inducted into GameSpot's list of the greatest games of all time? Oh, there wasn't a whole lot of good games for the Genesis, Larry. <laughs> That's not just Genesis games. It says list There's of the greatest games There's just not a lot of good video of games. <laughs> I've been playing this list and I can tell you There's not a lot of good video games 
I have to know. Pick the wrong hobby to get into. Could have played a sport, but no, I had to pick video games. Uh, hey, let's just knock a couple more games off the list. Fuck it. You know what else is a summer game? Oh Shock Troopers. boy, hold on a second. I'm sorry to step on this. Okay. We, we have a we have a blurb here about Moonwalker. All right. I enjoyed this game for several reasons. First of all, the girls would shriek Michael's name when he rescued them. Then there were the MIDI renditions of several classic Jacko hit songs. And, of course, there was the dancing. Oh, the dancing. Michael Jackson's Moonwalker had no right being as totally awesome as it was, really. If you never played it, you're probably thinking it was just another piece of licensed garbage that was shoveled out during the 16-bit era. However, the team behind Moonwalker made sure that not only accurately portrayed the factual events of Moonwalker the movie, which was a hard-hitting documentary about Michael Jackson's (laughs) ability to save children from Joe, Mr. Big Pesci, but also allowed you to turn turn into that giant robot after you caught a shooting star. It was completely bananas. I love Moonwalker. That's from Jeff Gerstman, senior editor of GameSpot. At first I thought, oh, did Bradley Shoemaker write this? But then the energy behind it was too intense for Brad, so I figured it's either Alex or it's Jeff. Yeah, it it was... I forgot it was Joe Pesci, not Danny DeVito. My mistake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, that's two Genesis games with Joe Pesci between this and Home Alone. Also, this is not, like, ranked anywhere, so that leads me to believe this whole greatest games of all time thing was just a bit anyway. Like essentially oh, ranking probably. of fighters. Yeah. Oh, that was the thing that I kept sub- suggesting that we do is we end up making 100 greatest games of all time, but like we only treat it seriously for maybe the first 15, so it looks like we're going somewhere legitimate with it. But then it's just we play whatever we want to fucking play, and we just say that's the rank where we played it at. So you know, mm-hmm. under those rules, you could do Moonwalker as like the number three greatest game of all time because we just on a whim wanted to play it. Right. Um. But I couldn't get you to commit to the bit. Nope. Ill bleed would have been number one. Sexy Actually, I mean, doll. It probably, probably is the greatest game of all time. You think about it. Can't think of you any really better. Think about it. Once, so no. sure. No, it's got anyway. fall down bear. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> what uh, next game? You're doing three this week. Oh, we're doing four. Fuck it. Oh, it's summer no. games time, Larry. We're going to wrap up this episode talking about Shock Troopers and Shock Troopers 2 because there's oh. not a whole lot to say about them and you already brought it up, so I figured, fuck it, might as All well. Right. Uh, but like, I think uh, these kind of count as summer games to me. Nah. They're really easy to kind of pick up, goof around in for a little bit, move on with your life, pull some weeds, mow the grass, I don't know, whatever you do during the summer. I disagree, because there's no saving. I mean, it's an arcade game. Why yeah. would you want to save in an arcade game? The whole mm-hmm. point is that you Well, if you want to stop make... and go pull some weeds or mow some grass and then come back to the game. Well, you got, then you got the to start very... over from the beginning. <laughs> yes, the very scenario that you just proposed. Yeah. You know that? That's the reason you no, would want saving. The, the fun, the fun thing about arcade games is that you can start at the first level every time you want to play it. You have that choice of doing that. It's not choice. You have no choice. <laughs> you have the choice of spending your money to play the first level over and over and over again and not really get much further than that. Shock Troopers. 
Shadow Troopers is great. I know it's not a summer game, but neither yeah, is Moonwalker. I normally try to like tie these games together. I couldn't think of anything this week, well, <laughs> so yeah. I just put together a random mishmash. You couldn't finish uh, the Donkey yeah, like Kong a... countries, countries. I couldn't even. No, <laughs> I was I... trying to say it like you would say. See, it. well, there you go. Now I finished I uh, two. I finished two. I got a hundred and two percent in number two. Oh boy. Uh, so yeah, Have I got three those... next. But... Those levels that's just like blasting through barrels and all the thorns and stuff. Those are the worst. Yeah, yeah, those sucked. There's a lot of levels in Donkey Kong Country 2 that kind of suck. Yeah. Let me tell you. I don't well, know why people put that up as being better than the first game. The first one is like way better than two. No, Come second on. is better. It's just I way harder. Disagree. Disagree. Well, we'll get there. Who knows what my opinion will be about that third game? It's got a fucking baby in it, so not good. I'm eh, guessing. Eh, 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 eh. I mean. From what I remember, no one likes Donkey Kong Country 3 anyway. So. I do. It's got that well, weird, like, open world in it. Like, there's some cool stuff world. in there. Yeah. Like the uh, map. And just like you go around. I know and... nothing about this. Okay. Well, you'll find out. I guess I will. Anyway, Shock Troopers. Uh, it's. I like metal, metal arms. Metal slug. Glitch in the system. I wanted to talk about wild arms for a second. I had to tell my brain to stop it. All right. Is it is it metal slug? Is it metal arms? Is it wild arms? Is it wild guns? Is it uh, <laughs> is it guns the duel? Which is it? Is it just a gun? The classic uh, yeah. game gun. The game that Ben Kingsley was very excited to play. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he, he never acknowledges that Gun is there or True Crime New York. It's just in my mind, I imagine Ben Kingsley being like, oh, Gun. <laughs> and being very intrigued by it. Christopher taking those glasses off that like Ben Kingsley gave him after he gets rejected and he snaps them in half, but then he also reaches out behind him, pulls out a copy of Gun and breaks that in half too. Yeah, sure. Or like Christopher, like he couldn't get a free watch from those people in there. He just goes around and gets True Crime New York and Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. <laughs> um, Shock Troopers is a really fun video game where you shoot a bunch of guns and it's just ridiculous and everything blows up. It's a really good time and I liked it a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, and Shock Troopers 2 is... Okay, like actual like Shock serious Troopers kind of review on Shock Troopers Two. Yes, but it also incorporates like a bunch of like kind of bad 3D graphics with the 2D sprite work, and I wish that they had just committed to the 2D sprite work again. Yeah, it's yeah. like that first game looks terrific. The second one, the, the art style feels like it's at odds with itself. But that um, that lady, it looks. You got really the lady good. with the big big bazongas in it yeah. though, and I suppose and that's an argument. And Dio. It's even in all uh, caps. Yeah. I thinking about Metal Slug. Remember how they did that artwork of like the level select screen, but they redesigned the characters so they don't look like hideous mutants? Yeah. And then you had a bunch of people who were like redrawing it to make them look like hideous mutants again. Uh-huh. I I just really loved that. I, I love that whenever someone tries to like officially fuck with the design and turns it just against everything that it was meant to be, that there is at least like a significant number of weirdos who are like, no, I need to make it look fucked up again. Yeah. Um, man, I should play the Metal Slugs though. Those are great games. Yeah, I should. between Metal Slug and 
Shock Troopers, though, I'm not sure which I like more. I, I think that they're like on about the same level of just being completely bonkers, though. Um, yeah. But yeah. Shock Troopers at least feels like its different characters have different advantages and disadvantages to them. Uh, so there's maybe more of a reason to want to play as one particular character over another, uh, which I think is a pretty nifty idea to add some like replayability to it. You know, again, it being an arcade game, you're going to be replaying it a lot if you're serious about making progress at all. <laughs> okay, I, I forgot. Dio is the name of the organization and their leader is named Nakatomi. <laughs> oh, right. Of course. Japan. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's just I like good old arcade games like this. The the fucked up part about arcades was you really kind of just got stuck with what whatever you had available at the time. Like especially if you lived in a small town like me, where you had maybe a single arcade. Yep. There's plenty of places where you didn't even have that. You had like the arcade that was in the movie theater, yep. and my, that was it. And that's my like, town did not have an arcade. We eventually got one yeah. in a mall about an hour away, and that was just like. Like a House of the Dead, they had um, Soul Calibur, uh, to a Street Fighter Third Strike. Those were all great uh, games. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we we had you know, a... nothing like no deep cuts. Yeah, I talked about the the Bad Times arcade that uh, we had in the town I grew up in. Uh, the the arcade you really did not want to go in um, if you were a child. Uh, and then we had like arcade stuff inside of a lot of different pizzerias uh, yeah. and movie theaters oh, and stuff. So it was just that yeah. like period of time where you might not have a full blown arcade, but arcade cabinets still kind of cropped up in odd places. Yes, there there was a roller rink here that had a cabinet of King of the Monsters. Ooh, I think that was like the only thing they had. He really, had which um... is weird. Oh, and there we was a, a, a little... Kmart an hour away. That one had a, like a multi-cab that had Sunset Riders and I think Metal Slug 1 in it. Oh, man. See, Something I think else. that you, in your more limited selection, also had a better selection of games yeah, probably. than the ones that I... Yeah, um, I remember the Little Caesars near where I lived as a kid had one of those arcade cabinets of uh, Super Mario Brothers. Oh, it was one of those like NES, like, hey, we're just putting a Nintendo game inside of a cabinet thing. Uh, We also like multiple places had the Adams Family uh, pinball table. So I played that a lot as a kid, Mm -hmm. too. Um, But yeah, I never had access to Shock Troopers. I never had access to the Metal Slug arcade cabinets. Um, So emulation is so important for me going back and playing these old arcade games because i i really like old arcade games is just you know again you only had what was available to you you couldn't go find the one you wanted unless i mean back then there was no way to search for like oh is there an arcade cabinet of wild arms the next town over you don't know you just got to go the next town over and start checking out every pizzeria looking for Whatever the fuck it is you want to play. Well, I'm thinking uh, I don't want to have an that. arcade cabinet of Wild Arms for one thing. I just want to talk about Wild Arms, Larry. Why? I keep meaning to talk about Metal Slug, but instead my brain goes, "Hey, what about Wild Arms?" Are Are you thinking of Wild Guns? I don't know. <laughs> wild Arms is an RPG. For PlayStation yes, that's 1. what I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking about Wild Arms again. I'm in like RPG mode. I want to play more RPGs. Oh, okay. I fondly remember the first Wild Arms. 
So what about thousand kind arms? Of, Oh, that's too I always, many arms I confuse me. that with Wild Arms a lot, and I think Thousand Arms is the one that actually seemed interesting to me. I mean, I'd, that makes more sense than me confusing the names Metal Slug and Wild Arms. Yeah. I don't know why I'm doing that, but uh, no, I've been I've been thinking about Wild Arms. I've also been thinking about Grandia a whole lot lately. Yeah, Grandia's good. I should good. probably play the Grandias, yeah. Um. Anyway, no, my, my, my point is, like, I I think it is great to just be able to go back and kind of access all these old arcade games, uh, you know, download them. There are a few megabytes. That's it. Go play Shock Troopers. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, like, I would just not have had the ability to do that. So it's nice to be able to have the convenience to go back and play some of these games now and kind of discover stuff that I completely missed out on as a child. So Shock Troopers, uh, both those are great uh, if you can find them. On the World Wide Web, you should probably play both of them. I think they're fantastic. Uh, you should also play Wild Arms and also Metal Slug and just have a good summer. Also, Shock Troopers and Metal Slug, like those have all been re released in various forms. So if you don't want it, Shock Troopers sounds? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know that. So you can just like go get them for like $3 or whatever. You want. Sure, you should do that instead then yeah. I did not know that Shock Troopers actually got like an official re-release uh, It's on GOG at least, uh, probably Steam too oh, okay. I thought that was one of the mini arcade games that just kind of got lost to time No, a lot of those Neo Geo ones have come out as part of the Neo Geo collection things that Dot .emu is or, uh, not dot, is dot, Yeah, dot .emu have been doing um, Like okay. that and the Samurai Showdowns Um there's Neo just Turf like a Masters, lot of arcade. There's just a lot of arcade games though that are like that, where like everyone kind of remembers them, but they've just not gotten any kind of a re-release. Like the Simpsons arcade one did briefly, and then I think that got delisted and it's just not been put out again. I don't. I don't know if it actually came out. I'm pretty sure it got. It came out on like the. Xbox Live Marketplace during the 360 era, I, I want to say. I don't and think it, got it did. I don't think it came out, or I probably would have bought it, it and I'm sure I did not. Um, but there was also, like, the first uh, Ninja Turtles arcade game, I think, was a, yes. a similar thing, where it came out on the like live arcade, and then it just got delisted. Yeah, because that was an early live arcade game. Uh, I yeah. can tell you Shock Troopers 1 and 2 are both on GOG. They are currently on sale 70% off, so they are $1.80 each. Oh. I, well, I might just go buy those just to throw some money <laughs> towards whatever company is putting these out. Yeah. SNK uh, Corporation, it says. Whatever that is today. Yeah. I hesitated to say SNK because I know SNK does not exist the way that it used to. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was just I some mean, completely it's, different it's company. It's like that a Sammy, Because, right? like, uh, SNK became, it was like merch with uh, Playmore. Does SNK play I more and then Sam, Sammy think... got that? So then Sega Sammy? To be completely know. honest with you, I have not kept track with any of that stuff with like old um, arcade developers going under, getting bought up, and, and what label they're under now. I've just mm-hmm. not kept up with that at all. Uh, and I think part of that, again, goes back to that sort of disassociation with just arcade games in general like having arcades available to me but only caring about what was there uh, so i never really followed like back in the day neo geo stuff very closely at all mm-hmm. uh, i think like the one time i really remember 
like in my younger years reading about Neo Geo was when the company was already going under. That way that EGM blurb, it wasn't even like a full article, I don't think, where they were just like, yeah, Neo Geo, they ain't making money no more. Apparently uh, SNK is still its own company. Oh. Uh, because it was just... Oh. Uh, so, anticipating the end of the company, Kawasaki founded Playmore Corporation in 2001, which acquired all of the intellectual property of the former SNK Corporation. So it was basically just shifting it to a new company. Okay. Um, and then in 2003, it was renamed to SNK Playmore. In 2016, they dropped the name Playmore from logo, reintroduced its old slogan, The Future Is Now, Officially changing its corporate name back to SNK So that's I think when they started re-releasing all the stuff Okay I should follow this stuff more I'm not going to uh, Ratings for these games uh, Not going to rate them They're all summer games So they're all great by default Including Moonwalker for the Sega Genesis <laughs> uh, So you should definitely play all of those games I do not think summer games are exempt from ratings <laughs> uh, I think that they are all right, okay, how about this? I will give them ratings based on temperatures you might find yourself out in during the summer. Oh, boy. All right, so uh, Wave Race 64, I think that is a nice, comfortable 80 degrees. That's comfortable no, it's nice to you? And... I live in Utah. Oh, yeah. That is comfortable right. to me. <laughs> it is nightmare. a... It is a nice, relaxing temperature. It just feels like having a warm blanket <laughs> thrown around your shoulders. <laughs> How terrible. Yeah, Larry, it is. Uh, Shock Troopers is like 90 degrees. Things are heating up a little bit, but you know what? Find a nice tree to park your butt <laughs> under, and you're having a good time. You want a gradings, motherfucker. I'm doing this. Shock Troopers 2 is like 115 degrees. What? Jesus Christ, it's 10 o'clock at night. Why is it still 115 degrees? My air conditioner is not working anymore. I turn it on and there's just smoke coming out of it. And then Michael Jackson's Moonwalker is like one of those weirdo states that for some reason they're getting fucking snowfall right now and nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Oh, so it's the best one? That's right. Play Moonwalker is the message that I want to implore upon everyone at the end of this podcast. Okay. Oh, that's it. Did you even see what uh, Shock Troopers is, by the way? Like, did you say what oh, type of game it is? <laughs> yeah, I did. I said it was a shooter. It's an oh. it's an isometric. Well, no, it's not. It's just top down. I thought it was like isometric. No, it's top down. It's like Ikari Warriors. Oh right, I'm thinking about Moonwalker still. Yeah, Moonwalker is isometric. An arcade one. I didn't have a NOS today. My brain's all <laughs> kinds of fucked up from the withdrawal. Okay. It's been over twenty four hours. I'm starting to just sweat and shake a lot. Um no, yeah, it's it's a top down, it's a it's a shooter game. I kept comparing it to Metal Slug. Or Wild Arms, but, depending oh, on how mean, bad my brain was operating at right, the time. Right, Metal, Metal Slug, the game that's not a top-down shooter. No, but it's still a shooter. <laughs> so it's I, like close I enough. suppose so. Side, it's side-scrolling, which I would say puts a different category. Look, I didn't prepare to talk about Shock Troopers at all. You brought it up and I was just like, ah, it's two more games I can knock off this list. Okay. I'd be happy about that. I thought it was just like a nice little coincidence. Now you're grilling me. 
No, it wasn't a coincidence. There's no coincidences in this life, Larry. Everything is planned. Serendipity. All right. I need to go play more Ratchet and Clank. I'll do I gotta ratings. See... Ratings uh, out of 10. Wave Ray 64. I'm going to give a 7 out of 10. Michael Jackson's mm. Moonwalker, the Genesis version, the 3. Uh, that's Wait, so a high. 7 out of 10, that would be like 70 degrees. That's like um, winter weather. It's not summer games. A Shock Troopers 1, I'm going to give uh, 8.5. Shock Troopers 2, 8. Okay. Actually, yeah. I feel like there are levels I like more in 2. Uh, but yeah, the art style is... Would make a step down They're probably both 8.5 Kind of evens out They're Yeah Like the actual gameplay Of them is pretty equivocal to me And I think that is The deciding factor For which one I prefer Is like ultimately The art style And that lady Like I kind of get it at That lady is in two But I mean that is kind of like That uh Dragon's Crown Is that the name of it? Yeah With the mage that had the Yeah, yeah. The art style in that game Is hideous But you got the boob witch so it kind of evens out. Those episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. That's right. Don't eat the sun dried tomatoes and you'll be fine. <laughs> Bed of evil and lettuce. <laughs> They're heirloom tomatoes. I think that was the thing that he tried to tempt him with. Uh, so. Yeah, like it's the art style is what kind of separates them for me, but I kind of like get it at that time that like graphics was starting to push more into 3D, both in the arcade and outside of it. And so it was just this like compulsion, I guess, to like, well, you gotta have 3D graphics in a video game at this point. No one's going to care about a completely like 2D sprite game. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Gotta have some kind of 3D. The thing with every Neo Geo game is they came out way later than you would guess based on how they look. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's true. Too, now I, I have to know when Shock Troopers came out. What you I'm going to guess Shock Troopers 2 came out in like 1999. No. Oh. All right. Well, you actually guessed later. It's 1998. Okay. I was going to guess it was like. Close. I was guessing it would be like 2001. Because it seems like that's what a lot of those Neo Geo games are. It's like these came out like. After 3D was like a well-established thing, and yet they were still using sprites, which I respect immensely. Yeah, I do too. I I think though that I I mean I'm still kind of a thing that back when 3D graphics were becoming more popular, and you still had games coming out that were 2D, they still had to shoehorn in some amount of 3D though. Like Neo Geo was one of the stronger holdouts to that, but eventually they started doing it too. Um, yeah. But I think it's stuff like, you know, Symphony of the Night has 3D elements in it, even though it is primarily a 2D-based game. Like, uh-huh. at, at that point in time, if you did anything that was 2D, you had to have some amount of 3D in it. Tomba had 3D elements yeah. in it. I mean, so, like, I'm looking at the Metal Slug games. Metal Slug 5 came out in 2003, and all those Metal Slug games basically yeah. look the same. Yeah, I kind of... I wonder how much of that though was maybe Metal Slug just had sort of established itself more. Like he could get away with it. But when they're doing a second Shock Trippers, they're like, ah, you gotta do something to make this kind of pop more in the arcade. Yeah, but they were still sticking to sprites a lot in like um, fighting games. Ah, Hell, I don't know. Like um, Garou, Mark of the Wolves, that's like 2002. Sure. 
Oh, whatever. This is why they went out of business. They didn't adapt to 3D fast enough, and everyone was just like, I'm not putting my quarters in that. There's a perfectly good Tekken cabinet over here. Star Wars Arcade. That was another one that we had. Anyway, they should put the if the guy running Smash the Smash Brothers, <laughs> they should. It'd be great. <laughs> Better than a fucking R wing, I'll tell you that. Yeah, whatever. Goodbye, dinosaurs. <laughs> Go outside. Go to a fucking beach. Have a summer. Yeah. Quit playing video games. Take your mask off. Breathe on somebody. <laughs> Whoa. You should definitely not get the vaccine. I no. mean, that'll just. You'll get magnetized, all the sand will come up and start sticking on you. You'll get all that 5G Terrible. in your brain. I don't know, I'm kind of into that. Well, And then I'm connected all the time. Yeah, that's convenient. I tweet while I'm sleeping. That'd be real fucked up. <laughs> it would. <laughs> I would say that, like, oh, that'd be horrible. Like, you just tweet out, hey, guys, having a wet dream. But, like, that's actually not that far out from stuff I've seen people tweeting. Yeah, yeah. I think we might already just be there, so... Uh, hey, you know what is a movie of the summer, though? Midnight what? Run. You should watch that. Also, the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> They're both movies of the summer. F9, yeah. no thanks. Is that out? No. Did that I come out, know. or is it out this week? Oh, why bother? It doesn't Instead matter. Instead of watching F9, you could sit down and listen to an Oingo Boingo album. The That's sounds true. of the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh,. I need to run to my mailbox. It is 120 degrees outside, so I gotta go do that real fast before I burst into flames. Your shoes uh, are going to start. Dinosaurs. Your shoes are gonna melt and like stick to the pavement. <laughs> That's right. If you don't get there fast enough, they melt. You're stuck there. Then you just cook alive. Uh-huh. <sighs> I hate it here. It's miserable. Goodbye, dinosaurs, for the third time. I'm done.